Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Blue Devils here today on this Wednesday. So excited to have you here with us on the program. Excited to be in the YouTube space here today. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of this fine podcast. And I would want nobody else other than my very good friend, Josh Cox, from Duke Football Talk Section 17 Podcast to help me kick off the two campaign here with the Locked On Podcast Network family. Please be sure to subscribe and uh, follow the show for a chance to see us perform the show. If you're listening to us on the podcast platform, that's going to stay the same as it always is. But it's awesome to now be doing this in the YouTube space. Josh Cox, here we are on YouTube, and the best part about all of this, Duke is going to the Final Four this weekend, man. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man, this is a big, uh, big-time episode. Uh, congratulations, by the way, for getting on YouTube. Whole new audience, I feel like, out there. And so uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Lockdown Network, you need to get familiar with it, and we're looking forward to it. And then, of course, yeah, what an incredible uh, weekend we had this past weekend and we said last week when we talked, it's going to be really cool if we can talk this week again and be talking about Duke uh, still in the mix. And here we are. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. As we're going to be talking a lot about the Final Four this week, Isaac Shade, the Locked on Tar Heels host. He and I will do a crossover episode coming up on Friday. You want to make sure you're paying attention to that. But I've got Josh Cox here. Josh has been with me throughout the entire Duke football season, uh, last summer leading up to a football season, and really reacting to the news right away that Mike Krzyzewski was going to be retiring. And uh, now here we are. This Duke basketball team was able to do it, and they're heading to the Final Four. What has it been like? What was this weekend like for you, Josh, to see Duke pick up those two victories? Well, first of all, the Texas Tech game was a Final Four game. I mean, it had the feel of a Final Four game, and it was a dogfight. Everybody thought it was going to be a dogfight, and it was. I absolutely love the fact that, according to the news media, it was a huge, major upset by our Blue Devils uh, to beat Texas Tech. You know, everybody had us losing that game, um, and I, for one, didn't think they had enough firepower to beat us. Come to find out they didn't. And so my emotions were rolling in that game. Uh, some big plays that happened, some big-time shots. Um, and then I'll be honest with you, and I texted you this privately, going into that Arkansas game, um, I really felt very confident in Duke at that point. They had just beaten Texas Tech. And I think I told you, I feel like Arkansas is like a JV version of Texas Tech. So I went into that, that game Saturday uh, confident. And, and honestly, I never questioned that game Saturday. From the moment we tipped off, it was never in doubt, in my opinion. And so what a great job. These guys – and I, I want to give the credit. I mean, I know everyone's talking about Coach K. But, man, at the end of the day, these 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men are going out there with all the pressure on them. And they're doing what they need to do to win basketball games. So full credit to those guys. It's unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish this season. It's been a whole lot of fun. Going back to our text conversation on Saturday, going into the Arkansas game in the Elite Eight matchup, Josh, I for one told you, hey, man, I think this Duke team needs to knock down shots from the outside. I was a little nervous that they weren't shooting the ball as well. And 
Uh, not that they weren't shooting it at a great percentage. As we talked about here in March, they're just not taking a whole lot of threes. And the later you get into a season, sometimes I worry about, okay, trading twos for threes. I don't really know how that's going to play out. Duke only made four three-pointers mm-hmm. against Arkansas, and yet it still was their best performance of the tournament so far. I mean, uh, it definitely proved me wrong. Yeah, I think that's all credit to, number one, the consistency of Mark Williams. I think we're seeing just how important that Mark is uh, in every game that we're playing in the tournament. And you're seeing Theo John's minutes be reduced, and you're seeing Mark stay out there a little bit longer, and I think that's very important. And then, uh, not that he can't shoot the three, but you're seeing Paulo, you're seeing good Paulo Bencaro. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing him playing uh, smart basketball, uh, aggressive basketball. When he's playing smart and aggressive, that means he's taking the ball to the hole. And uh, so that's what you're seeing. I think the combination of those two things. And then, look, uh, I can't say enough about Jeremy Roach. I cannot say enough about him. The kid st- is getting in the lane. Some of his drives and crossovers and the way he's getting in the paint are absolutely incredible. And so you couple all those things together, uh, you know, it, it, it's a recipe to win. And I understand there's the Steph Curry, Golden State, shoot a bunch of threes, live or die, but this team can win a lot of different ways. And I think that's what I like, right? So we can win shooting the three ball a lot. We can win slowing the game down and playing defense. We can win pounding the ball inside to mark. There's a lot of different ways we can win on a given night, depending on who's hot. That's why I love this team. I love our chances. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, uh, here in a little bit. But uh, that's why I really do love this team. We can win in multiple different ways. A lot of people, it's the Texas Tech game that really won them over for Duke men's basketball this past weekend. In that Sweet 16 matchup, we mentioned how convincing the win was over Arkansas. In a lot of ways, the Razorbacks did have that run to cut it to five. Duke calls a timeout, comes back out in zone, responds with the 10-0 run, gets up by as many as 18, and never really looked back from there. But with that Texas Tech game, and that being said, going into the weekend and going into that matchup, a lot of questions about the Texas Tech defense and how the Duke offense would respond. And uh, I think they responded quite well. I think that uh, obviously out of the gates in that Texas Tech team, we saw Duke fall behind early, 10-2. to uh, They were down by seven with 30 seconds left, and Duke drew up another amazing play to end the half where Paulo got an and one dunk to cut it down to four. Uh, but, man, it's just this offense hits you in so many different ways. Well, it was very important in the Texas Tech game, and we talked about this last week, um, that the whistle was was proper. Now, they did let us play, but we we shot uh, close to 90% from the foul line. I believe we were 15 to 17 from the foul line. Uh, we, once, we made more than they took. And at the end of the day, I felt like that, once again, it was being aggressive and going to the basket, but we were drawing fouls, and then we were hitting free throws. And, and that's a really big deal when you're playing a team like Texas Tech. If you're not getting those foul calls, meaning you're not going to the foul line, they become really, really difficult to score on. And so uh, they were not bad whistles. They were correct calls, but they were calls. And I was just glad to see them be made. Paulo Bencaro, we've said it numerous times throughout this year, the man goes to the basket and gets hit in the body or up at his hands nearly every time. And they don't call it nearly every time, but he gets hit every time he goes to the basket. And so – we were fortunate that the referees, I felt like, called a fair game in that Texas Tech game. And in result, as a result, we got to the foul line quite a bit. I saw some guys on Twitter chirping saying, 
you're, you can be the number one team on defense in the country when you foul and put your hands on people the whole game, knowing that the ref can't call every single one of them. They're not going to do that. So I, I actually feel that a little bit. I think there's a little bit of truth to that. We've got this Duke basketball team heading to the Final Four, a Sweet 16 victory over Texas Tech, an Elite Eight victory over Arkansas, and now they're taking the North Carolina Tar Heels for a chance to play in a national championship game. Duke needed Paulo Bancaro to play his best basketball at this portion of the season, and he's done that. We'll tell you why he's been able to do that coming up in just a moment. Today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Stat Hero. Stat Hero is amazing this time of year. I talk all the time about how much I love March Madness. Their NCAA single game pickums hits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players that you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. What you need to do right now is sign up for free at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Stathero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is outstanding. These protein bars are covered in 100% chocolate. I can't ever believe that that's the case, but it is 100% real chocolate, and it's good for you. Low calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bar with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you'll be blown away at everything you see. High protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. Here on Locked On Blue, that was J.J. Jackson hanging out with Josh Cox, Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. The guys have been going to spring practice a good bit. They've got a post-spring game podcast coming up that you don't want to miss, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're talking all things basketball today as Duke gets ready to go to the Final Four. I said a moment ago, Duke has been needing Paulo to play his best basketball at this time of the season. It means so much when your best player truly dominates. And going into the Texas Tech game, where Paulo went on to have 22 points, made three three three-pointers, all of them big time in their own right, shared the basketball, rebounded, defended well, He was just outstanding. Before that game was even played, all eyes were on that site, Josh, as you well know, because Arkansas was getting ready to take on Texas, or excuse me, Gonzaga, in the same building where Chet Holmgren is. Jabari Smith of Auburn is in the conversation for the number one overall pick as well. But that Arkansas-Gonzaga game, from a Duke fan's perspective, seeing that game go the way it went, how quickly did you move ahead? This is pretty awesome that Duke's not going to have to play them if they're able to defeat Texas Tech. Well, absolutely. I mean, when, it's always difficult to beat a team a second time, right? It's always difficult. And so uh, we beat Gonzaga early on in the season and looked very good doing it. Um, but And Paulo looked great in that game uh, compared to Chet. And they're two completely different players, and I understand that. 
but I believe there had to be some motivation there for Paulo, knowing that uh, that there was a chance of them playing uh, one another again. Uh, I believe Paulo's a confident guy and believes he's the best player in the country uh, and should be the number one you know, overall pick. I don't know if he will be, but there had to be some motivation there for him. And, man, if he has not come on uh, playing the best version of himself when we've needed him the most. And I, this is the killer type instinct that I saw in Paulo when he was being recruited. Uh, when you saw some of the videos and the interviews that he had as a high schooler, uh, basically he was very confident, but he wanted to come here. And he had that kind of that, that, uh, that the kill, not kill mode, right? The kill mode um, <laughs> uh, that Paulo had of like, basically we're here to win. We don't care who gets in our way. And man, I feel like these last few games we have seen Paulo really step back into that role and man, at the end of the day, when he's got the ball in his hands, he's going to do something good with it. He's uh, he's an underrated passer. He's a phenomenal passer. He's an underrated defender. I love when I see uh, them give him his grades, you know, for going into the draft. And I think ESPN still has him as a C plus defender. And I'm like, you're not watching this kid play if you think he's a C plus defender. Uh, and so, uh, kudos to him. He's playing great basketball. Um, and, and once again, I know there are other guys stepping up that we'll talk about. But at the end of the day, Paulo Bencaro uh, has got to play well in all these games, and he's been doing it. Let's give some shout-outs to the rest of the team and talk about this team because we get set for a Final Four matchup with North Carolina. Neither of these teams have a very big bench whatsoever. In the meeting in Cameron, uh, as we well remember, North Carolina only played five guys for the entire second half. The same guy, five guys played the whole time. And Duke plays six players, really, with a couple of minutes from Theo John and we, of course, had the three-minute experience of Bates Jones against Texas Tech that didn't go so well uh, for Duke. Got a couple open looks, uh, but, but didn't necessarily bring it on the defensive end. I want to talk about Trevor Keels, though, because Trevor is someone – I mentioned this earlier in the week on the podcast. Yesterday, I joined uh, – I had an interview with the ESPN radio station in Waco, Texas, and they were asking me about Trevor Keels. And going into the Sweet 16 game against Texas Tech, knowing how great their defense is – if you told me Trevor Keels is not going to score zero points, I would have said there's no way Duke can win that basketball game. We still won, and Trevor Keels didn't score a bucket and then came back and responded really well against Arkansas. What, what's, what's, your, uh, what's your take on, on Keels right now? Well, up and down, and this has been Keels' season, um, up and down offensively, um, and, and his shooting has been less than desirable, but – he stays on the court because he stays really engaged on the defensive end. And basketball is not just about scoring. It's not just about points. It's not just about the offensive side of the, of, of the court. And Trevor Kill stays on the court because he's a bulldog on defense. Yes, he um, is. And, and, and you, can, you give him a matchup, uh, or, or especially when, we, when we're uh, rotating or we're switching one through five, uh, man, if, especially if, if he's in the center up top, and he's switching and staying up top. Whoever has the ball there, I'm like, man, he's going to eat you alive. And, and so I, I believe that helps him. Once again, I think he feeds off of that. What a great play into the first half against Arkansas. Got that wide open three. Well, not wide open necessarily, but Apollo found him, knocked it down. Um, between Jeremy Roach, Trevor Kills, and A.J. Griffin, definitely one of the three has to play well for us to win probably two of the three have to play well for us to win from here on out. And so no pressure per se, uh, other than just the obvious pressure, but 
two out of those three guys have got to show up Saturday as we play UNC. What happens if all three show up? Oh, if all three show up, we're, there's no one in the country that touches us. I, in fact, my opinion, if two of them show up, no team remaining is going to touch them. No team remaining will touch them. And that includes Kansas, and I have a lot of respect for Kansas and what Bill Self's done. Villanova, unfortunately, is going into this uh, Final Four down a, down a man, um, torn ACL. So, you know, I fully expect that opponent to be Monday night for whoever wins Duke and UNC. I full well expect that opponent to be Kansas. And so that's kind of where where my, my where I'm looking ahead, you know, a little bit. This this was a little bit of a conversation yesterday and locked on ACC as well when I joined Candace Cooper as I do every Tuesday. But what do you think about the national narrative? People are consuming all things Duke, and I certainly hope that you're listening to Lockdown Blue Devils every day. And welcome again to our YouTube journey that we're starting here. But we go a week ago, and we're talking about the Texas Tech game that was scheduled to be played on Thursday in the Sweet 16. No one thought Duke was going to win that game. Texas Tech was favored to win the basketball game. A trendy upset pick was Michigan State and Davidson. And now all of a sudden we go to the Final Four and it's shifting back towards if Duke doesn't win it all, it's back to being a disappointment because this Duke basketball team is by far the most talented team in the country, which we've been saying all year, by the mm-hmm. way, Josh, because yep. we've seen it. But the, the idea now that all of a sudden everybody's jumping on the, oh, my gosh, Duke is so amazing. Yeah, if you watched Duke basketball this year, you know we started hot. Uh, we went into Christmas break hot. We came out of Christmas break with the COVID week. Right. And that really threw a wrench into things. And, and it's like we didn't recover. But then we got on a groove again. And this Duke team, uh, up until the Virginia game, the conclusion of the Virginia game, we were the best team in the country. I, I, I could have swore it. Everybody was all over Baylor. All people were talking about, you know, Baylor with their seven, eight losses. We're up like third, fourth in the country. And and here we are ranked ninth or seventh or whatever we got to. But I felt like we were playing the best basketball in the country. And then, you know, the UNC stuff happened. Uh, the That that was rough. Um, I was in attendance for it. We talked about it, right? Yeah. Uh, but, man, we've, we've responded. And we've responded really well. And if you are just watching these games – you have to look at Duke and say, if Duke University shows up, they're going to win. If they show up, and by show up, I mean similar to what we saw against Arkansas, four guys in double figures, two more guys with nine points. If that team right there shows up, they're winning Saturday, they're winning Monday, period. Which I want to happen, So, but I know you do too. It's, it's so close you can actually feel it now. And now it's a matter of execution, going out there and taking care of business. And the team that is standing your way is your biggest rival of them all, the greatest rivalry in college basketball, has a showdown in the Final Four. What does that mean for the state of North Carolina? Josh and I, natives of the state, as is many other Duke fans and and UNC fans, if you're listening to us here today. Uh, And we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils here today on this Wednesday is brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX edition and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computers that you could be doing? 
You have computers and access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Here's what you should do. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on Blue Devils in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have everything that you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So many awesome things. Go to rockauto.com right now. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Here we are wrapping up today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson hanging out with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast on this Wednesday. As we get set for the Final Four coming up, we've also made the transition over to the YouTube space. So many people have been listening to Josh on the podcast throughout the football and basketball seasons here weekly. So friends that love listening to us each and every week, the audio version of the podcast, Josh, describe your setup here. What what do you got over there, over your shoulders? Where, okay. Where you're looking? Over this shoulder is the throwback Johnny Dawkins yeah. jersey framed. And then over this shoulder is an autographed Christian Leitner jersey. Incredible. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I was like, we're going on YouTube. Those need to be in the background, right? So <laughs> yeah. maybe it's a little bit of uh, we get some of that uh, clutch gene that Mr. Leitner brings to the table, right? We're hoping so. Coming up on Saturday, we're going to need it. All right, so Duke is playing North Carolina. What a weekend it was for everyone. When you start looking at the bracket, and then when you see uh, not so much North Carolina knocking off Baylor last weekend, but you see the UCLA game unfold the way it did. You see Caleb Love have a terrible first half of basketball and then not miss. He was shooting from other continents, it felt like, and was still making shots. And in your mind, knowing that, oh, yeah, Purdue just lost to St. Peter's, this reality is a possibility. What was that like? Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, kudos to UNC and Hubert Davis, man. Like, they have really, you know, we, we, we thought, and Duke, by the way, played terribly in Cameron at the UNC game. But everybody thought that was Duke being terrible. What that really was was Carolina being really good as well. It wasn't just Duke playing terrible. Yeah. It wasn't just Duke kind of coming under those circumstances and not performing. It was a heck of a basketball game by UNC, and they've continued on. Um, and so Caleb Love, obviously he's their point guard. He's not afraid to shoot the ball even when he's struggling. So what we're hoping is the moment's a little big for Caleb Love. Uh, him or Brady Manick don't shoot – seven for eight from three-point line for the three-point line um, and the game kind of gets slowed down, slowed down a little bit and then we can I feel like we can work the ball inside Brady Manick cannot guard Paulo and if Brady wants to try to guard Mark then we just need to post him up you know I, I feel like we match up well against them but but if they play like they did in Cameron and four of their five starters have like 20 points um, we're, we're gonna issue I, I but aside from all that let, let, let me just say this. As a Durham resident, being a Duke fan my entire life, I absolutely cannot believe that in Mike Krzyzewski's final season, this game is finally happening. It's never happened in the NCAA tournament before. And what and what are the chances yeah. that, this, that this game could happen? And it has. And I'll be honest with you, it took me like a full 24 hours after the UNC game ended against St. Peter's 
for it to sink in. I, I, everyone's texting me, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, I have no idea what my thoughts are yet. Like, I don't really want to play this game. I feel like whoever wins this game is going to have like an ultimate trump card in the rivalry. Like, you know, you can say whatever you want to, but we beat you in the final four. Um, and so, but, but now the way I'm looking at this game is in order for Duke to win its sixth national title under Mike Krzyzewski, they have to be any team, any team that's in their path, we have to beat them. And guess what? UNC's in our path. So we need to beat them. And so at the end of the day, uh, that's the way I'm viewing it. Um, but, but once again, kudos to Hubert Davis. I mean, Carolina fans were like calling for this man's job two months ago. You had, uh, you had Armando Baycott's dad subtweeting uh, junk talk about Hubert Davis and the coaching staff, and somehow they've turned this thing around, and they're playing great basketball. And so, man, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be surreal. I, I still don't know what I'm gonna do. I have no clue. Am I gonna try to watch it with friends? Am I gonna sit secluded in my living room and watch it? No idea. But it's gonna it's gonna be. It may possibly be the highest rated. I probably think it will be probably the highest rated college basketball game ever. If you sit there and you add up the seeds that both of these teams played in their run to the NCAA tournament, Josh, I don't know if you saw this, but it's an even 29 for both of these teams because a lot of people do want to point out the fact that North Carolina played St. Peter's in the Elite Eight, which, yes, that's a very crazy game to be playing that late in the season, that late in the tournament. It's the first time ever a 15 seed made it to the Elite Eight. But Duke played a 15 seed in their very first game in Cal State Fullerton, a seven seed in Michigan State, a three seed in Texas Tech, a four seed in Arkansas. That equals 29 if you add them up together. For North Carolina, they played a nine seed in Marquette, a one seed in Baylor, a four seed in UCLA, and then a 15 seed in St. Peter's. That equals 29 if you add them up together. So it's an even battle, so to speak, in terms of the path that you had to navigate through here in March Madness to get there. It's just surreal that this North Carolina team has been able to get there given where they've been at certain points in the season. And so when we get ready for Saturday, it's going to hurt so much if Duke loses his basketball game, knowing that Mike Krzyzewski has to walk off the floor for the final time while those guys in that shade of blue are celebrating going to a national championship. They were going to celebrate regardless whenever Coach K lost his last game, if he did. I just didn't want them to be in the building, Josh. I wanted them to be somewhere else. Absolutely, man. And and I'm hoping I, – I, I am – I'm hoping the fan bases, no matter the results of Saturday night, two things I'm hoping. Number one, the fan bases come to grips with the respect that I think that we should have for one another as programs, no matter what happens. If Duke wins, if UNC wins, there should be a mutual respect there. And, and for some, it won't happen. But I'm hoping the fan bases see the bigger picture here. Secondly, I think the biggest uh, potential issue here is that whoever wins Saturday – is so emotionally charged and they are so drained from Saturday. I think about that too. That we turn around Monday and Kansas or Villanova, we run into a buzzsaw. And and I, I don't, you know, I would hate that. I'll be honest with you though. If Duke happens to lose Saturday, I hope it happens to Carolina, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, but at the end of the day, man, I, I this place is going to shut down no matter what happens Saturday night. There's going to be one fan base that's going to be absolutely going berserk. And there's going to be another fan base 
you know, trying to blame referees and wh- whoever loses is going to figure out a reason, you know, why they lost. And uh, I just hope we're on the we are on the winning side on Saturday night. The state's going to be unbelievable going into the weekend as we get ready for that. And as you continue to listen to Locked On Blue Devils, you're Locked On Tar Heels, Locked On ACC, all of our shows here on the network promoting the Final Four and the greatest rivalry in the sport, getting set for its forever NCAA tournament. I would encourage you to check out some of your local media and newspaper stories, online articles as well. I saw somewhere in the Raleigh-Durham area a reporter interviewed people who had weddings booked way in advance for the Raleigh-Durham area coming up on Saturday. And now there's going to be the greatest game, the final four meeting between these two programs on those same days. And and what uh, kind of chaos that is that it's taking place on the same day. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, the state is definitely going to be ready for the game to be played. Yeah, it's going to be surreal. I mean, listen, if you're a foodie, make sure you go to the grocery store like tomorrow, today. <laughs> Because everything's going to be sold out. People are hosting watch parties and all this stuff around. Um, once again, I've enjoyed because I live close to campus, about 10 to 15 minutes away from Duke. Uh, you know, I tend to, uh, when I sense the game's about to be over, especially, you know, a game that's kind of in hand, I man, I'll hop in the car and head on campus and watch the students celebrate. Uh, so just enjoy those times. UNC people, obviously, Franklin Street. People empty out in the Franklin Street after the games, and you know what I mean. So whichever side wins, there's going to be celebration. And man, it's just crazy. It is, it just mind blowing. Number one, that this has never happened before, and that number two, it's happening in this the final season for Coach K. And so my thing is, I believe that that these Duke players sat there at the end of that UNC game while Coach K was giving that speech dejected on that sideline, they felt the weight and just the enormous uh, pressure that was on them for that game. And while there's going to be pressure this game, they've already gone through that. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to be better for it. And, uh, and, and yeah, we haven't gotten a prediction yet, but I, I am, I, there is absolutely no way in this world that I would say we're going to lose Saturday. Yeah, let's play basketball. Let's play basketball, yeah. get the ball up in the let's air, and see what yep. happens Monday. Duke wins how? how? How does Duke win this basketball game to wrap us up? Uh, Duke wins if two out of the three, Jeremy Roach, right. Trevor Kills, A.J. Griffin, two out of the three have a good game, we definitely win. If one out of the three has a good game, it's going to be close. Number two, um, Armando Baycott is key. Now, he will probably get his, right? He's going to probably get his rebounds and probably get his points. Um, but if we can get either one of he or Manic in foul trouble, um, their bench is absolutely horrendous. Um, and so I believe that is key. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we defend Caleb Love. Um, but but I, I do believe on our side, it's those three guys. On their side, it's Armando Baycott. Does he get in foul trouble? Does he have a career game? Um, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think those are two main things to look at to see who wins this game. A lot of love for Jeremy Roach. A lot of love for Paulo Bancaro. Mark Williams as well was a part of the uh, all-region team as Duke won the West region for the first time ever in Coach K's career. i got to give some love to Wendell Moore Jr., the <clears> captain <throat> of this team. I need Wendell to lead the way for Duke as they head into the Final Four meeting. That's the guy for me is for Wendell to take this on his shoulders, which I know he wants to, and to truly have a control of the game. Well, yeah, 9 for 10 from the foul line would also be awesome. Right. And that's yeah. that, That's just showing he's a third-year player, and uh, that's maturity. And, uh, and man, I, I've 
once again, man, I as a Duke fan of in the one and done era, to watch a window more come in and to see his progression, the explosiveness that he has this year, the dunks, the blocks, yeah. and then he's still solid and makes good decisions and plays good defense. I love Wendell Moore Jr. And, man, what a way. What a way to go out uh, if he does go pro, which I'm assuming you will after this year, uh, leading this team. And really, like you said, those other guys are getting the accolades, but there's a, there's a calm, steady hand uh, on the court at all times, and it's Wendell Moore Jr. Great smile, and he just loves playing basketball out there as a junior. It means so much. He grew up in the state. He knows the significance of this. I want to end with the foul conversation as well, because in the first meeting in Chapel Hill, Baycott got in foul trouble very early, like before the first media timeout that dude was having to go to the bench and, and then sit on some pine for a moment. I, You know, that is important to get him out of the game because he's that effective and that impactful for the team. My only concern with that, and this goes back to the free throw shooting as well, is, Josh, I wonder if you're Hubert Davis and even Coach A in this setting, knowing your bench, but also knowing the stakes of this game, it's the final four. And instead of putting some guys on the bench with foul trouble, we might be at the portion of the season where you just got to stay out there and you got, you know, uh, you're, we're better off with you on the floor and taking the risk than not having you on the floor and trying to roll the dice and see how we come out. And with that being said, if foul trouble does become a problem for North Carolina, one, that means Duke is going to the free throw line. Uh, and over the weekend, in their two games, one game in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, one game Duke was 16 for 18 from the free throw line. The other game, they were 15 for 17. Really good shooting performances from the charity strike. Yeah, and, and look at the matchups, okay? We speak of Baycott. He's got to guard – he's going to have to guard Mark Williams or uh, – Mark Williams is who he's going to guard. Um, and Leaky Black had been put on Paulo and actually did a really good job on Paulo. That means Brady Manick has got to guard somebody. Yeah. He's got to guard somebody. And so at the end of the day, he's going to be on a guy like AJ or, or whatever. Whoever, if he's on – AJ ball, had a monster game in the first meeting in Chapel Hill. He had 27 yes, points. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So at the end of the day, uh, whoever Brady Manick is guarding is a mismatch, no matter who it is. And so – I, I don't know. I'm not a coach. Um, I'm just trying to watch things from from the perspective of the fan. But I I feel like Brady Manick is a is a huge hole on in their defense, and we need to exploit it. And then on the flip side, we don't have any holes. And I will say this: if something happens to Mark with foul trouble, this is a game that I like Theo because Theo has proven you know last year he can he can play straight up with Baycott. He's got no problems He's not doing scared. it. Man, he's, he's listen, he may get into a fist fight Saturday night. You never know. You never know. Uh, but, man, uh, I feel okay. I feel better about Theo John coming off our bench than if I'm UNC thinking about Puff Johnson or, or whoever would come off their bench to spell their guys. And so I do, while we're not deep, I do love whoever our sixth man is, which is going to be Trevor Kills probably, uh, and then Theo, and then if need be, Bates and Joey. I, I don't mind that bench. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if they can get it done. We think they will. Duke and North Carolina on Saturday in the Final Four. That wraps up today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. And, and Josh, we did it. Our first show on YouTube together. It's here in the book. Yeah, man. Awesome. We really enjoyed it. If you haven't yet, make sure you go 
uh, pause right now uh, on YouTube. You can like the video, I'm assuming, comment yes. and things. If you're listening, uh, make sure you give a five-star review and rating uh, here on Locked on Blue Devils. Type out a review. It helps even if you say something just short and sweet. Uh, but, man, this is your go-to source five days a week, man. Good yeah. luck, JJ, five days a week right? uh, of Duke stuff. And uh, and so and then come on over, like, I, like JJ said, on the football side. Uh, we're in spring practices. We were at Pro Day earlier this week. Um, and we're trying to bring you Duke football content as well. Uh, look for something after the April 16th uh, spring game. We'll drop another episode. So uh, thanks for the support of our podcast. And then obviously thank you for the support here on Locked on Blue Devils. Josh, I'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks, JJ. We'll see you later, man. All right. That's Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. I certainly do appreciate you listening to our show. Here we are on YouTube. Please, as Josh said, like and subscribe and share us. Send us tweets at LO underscore Blue Devils. Let your friends know about it. And thank you for making Locked on Blue Devils your first listen here today. Our show is on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each day. Check out Locked On ACC with Candace Cooper and Locked On Tar Heels with Isaac Shade as we get set for the Final Four coming up this weekend. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.